attention, attention all personnel, it's MASHCAST! Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly, and joining us this week in the VIP tent is returning guest, Colonel Dan Greenfield. Hi, Dan. Hi, Rob. I think I've had a, I, I still, I think you're holding the streak alive. I think I've had a different rank every single time I've been on the show. I have yet to create an Excel spreadsheet keeping track of all this. So I'm just kind of winging it as, as we go here. Yeah, right. uh, so welcome to season four of yeah. MASH. This is so exciting. This is a big deal. <laughs> yes, it is. I have said on previous episodes that I believe seasons four and five of MASH are the pretty much not only the best seasons of mash but they are among the best seasons of any television done anywhere and i would say that season four of mash in particular is no hyperbole here the best season of any television series ever and i will make that claim throughout this 24 episodes and i think there's no argument to be made this season is just off the chain good yeah, I, I, I 99% agree with you. Uh, I, I also, it's funny, you know, when I watched the, um, when I watched the show again last night, just to prepare for this, my son was in the room and I, and I had forgotten, you know, he's in his, he's in his early twenties now. And he had said, Oh, this was the first episode you showed me. And <laughs> this is how I decided to show my son years ago to introduce him to mash this is the way i introduced it to him not from the beginning but from this episode and i had totally forgotten about it i said well that's because when we bought the episodes i bought the best first there you go yeah and i and i said well we're gonna buy seasons four and five and then uh work our way uh backward and forward get six in there and get the other three in there and then after after the first six i think it starts to change a little bit but yeah the um I agree with you that that it, four and five are the absolute pinnacle of of the show, and and therefore, as you indicate, you know, if it's the pinnacle of this show, that means it's the pinnacle of just about every show. Exactly. And the, and the only the only single season that I would ever place above it, which is what I consider the single best season of television I've ever seen, which is the second season of Justified. Other than Whoa, that, okay, oh, wow, okay, oh, oh yeah. I mean, you don't actually even have to watch the rest of that show. But the second season of Justified is is as good as television you'll ever see. But huh. that said, it's you know Justified is not Mash, okay. and and the the season four and season five. I mean, I sort of also consider the last episode of season three plus this two parter plus Potter's arrival as sort of the Mount Rushmore of. Mash, oh man, yeah, that is episodes. three home runs in a row. Yeah, right, it's, yeah. A, it's just <laughs> this this overarching arc that shows you everything in in microcosm of what makes this show great and it's got those pieces of everything and what i also think just in general terms about the fourth season specifically is that it is that perfect marriage of what makes the best of mash the humor the pathos the drama the anguish the support the the the, there's a there's a, a camaraderie the writing crackles the acting is 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 so on the money. You get to know these characters. They're introduced in a great way. Really terrific. 
Yeah. We will get into all the reasons why this season and this episode are particularly so good. But let's let's get right to the plot of this sure. episode. And by the way, everybody, uh, I consider Welcome to Korea, which is, of course, season uh, season four, episode one, to be one episode. It originally aired as one episode. I know in syndication and in reruns, it isn't split into two, which is why there were some there's some confusion. There were some places that say MASH did 255 episodes when, no, they did 251 and some aired as hour-long episodes. Whether they were split up later on, that's a, that's a separate, that's like a business decision down the line. Right. But this aired originally on September 12th, 1975. Mash got a new time slot yep. beginning season four. They aired it on Friday nights. Imagine that. Imagine at a time that, that, I mean, Friday nights are like the dead zone of television and have been for a long time. But they put Mash on Friday nights, uh, coming back with season four, and aired originally as an hour-long episode. So it aired said, September 12th, 1975. Written by Jim Fritzell and Everett Greenbaum and Larry Gelbart, which is like the three best names possible right. to put together in a match right. episode, and directed by Gene Reynolds. So here we go. Yeah. So Radar is woken up by new 47th of the Commander Frank Burns for the morning's formation. He's nasty to Radar and proves to be a pathetic leader to the troops. <laughs> in the middle of a rant by Frank, Hawkeye, coming back from an R&R, is wheeled into camp partly hungover. He ignores oh. Frank's commands and heads for the showers. Radar chases after him, trying to tell Hawkeye something. While Hawkeye was gone, Trapper got his orders and was shipped home. They tried calling Hawkeye for three days, but they couldn't get a hold of him. Hawkeye is stunned and crushed that it seems that Trapper didn't even leave a note of goodbye, save for a kiss to the cheek administered by Radar. When Hawkeye learns that Trapper is flying out of Kimpo that very morning, he jumps out of the shower, tells Frank and Margaret he's leaving. They deny him permission, but he sneaks aboard the Jeep Radar is taking into town to pick up Captain B.J. Honeycutt. Trapper's replacement. Hawkeye, in a mad rush not to miss Trapper, blows past an MP checkpoint, only to be stopped at a second. He fakes his way through it by pretending Radar has an infectious disease. They make it to, they make it to Kimbo, and while Radar searches for Captain Honeycutt, Hawkeye tries to find Trapper. He finds the office in charge of processing people on their way home, but can barely, barely get the attention of the man behind the desk, who is more concerned with the absurd specific needs of a general. Finally, he gets a hold of the flight manifests and finds... Trapper left 10 minutes ago. Demoralized, he wanders back outside where Radar introduces him to Captain Honeycutt, who insists on being called BJ. They decide to go home, but find that their Jeep has been stolen. After calming a panicked Radar down, they go into the officer's club to get a drink, faking Radar as an officer, giving him some of BJ's captain's bars and designating him as a corporal captain. It's here that Hawkeye clues BJ in as to what to expect and the kind of people that make up the 477th. He compliments them all, but points out that BJ is just missing two of the greatest guys in the world, though, including Henry Blake, who was RCO. Henry was okay from the naval out in every direction. He also clues BJ in as just to how bad Burns is, a.k.a. Ferretface, is as a commander and a doctor. Upon leaving the club, they steal a general's jeep and head home. On the way, they run into a farming family searching a minefield. They try to get them to stop, but not before one of the farmer's young daughters sits off a mine. In the confusion, Radar runs into the minefield, grabs the injured girl, and brings her out. While Hawkeye and Radar are missing, Frank is preparing the 477 for the new arrival. He and Margaret dream of training Honeycutt are away. Meanwhile, after dropping off the girl at a local hospital, the conditions of which disgusts and shocks BJ, they get a flat tire. While fixing it, they run into some locals who seem harmless enough, until those locals suddenly disappear into the woods. Moments later, bullets start to fly, and they scramble to get a new tire on and out of harm's way. BJ notices there's a bullet hole in the seat right next to him. As if that wasn't enough, Hawkeye, BJ, and Radar get caught in the middle of some mortar fire being shot at U.S. soldiers. They jump out of the jeep and start tending to the wounded. BJ receives one shock after the other. 
One dead soldier looks to be barely 13 years old, and another was wounded so bad that it causes BJ to stagger off and vomit. Radar points this out to Hawkeye. While Radar is calling the nearest mass unit for the help, the 8055th, Hawkeye stops and holds BJ's head as he continues to be sick. Finally, another wounded soldier needs attention. Hawkeye turns, reaches out to BJ. They join hands, and both of them tend to the wounded GI. Back at the 477th, Frank gets word that BJ was, in fact, picked up by Radar. They blame him for being so late on, of course, Hawkeye. Finally, Hawkeye, BJ, and Radar make it to the camp. But just before they arrive, they stop at Rosie's bar. They get loaded so bad that Radar has to drive them the rest of the way. (laughs) Upon hearing the honks of the Jeep's horn, Frank and Margaret run outside, excitedly ready to meet their new surgeon. Hawkeye, drunk and caked in sweat and mud, formally introduces BJ. Major Burns, Major Houlihan, may I present Captain BJ Honeycutt. BJ manages a wobbly salute, only to collapse in laughter, clutching Margaret and asking, What say, you furred face? Hawkeye also dissolves in hysterics, unable to even look Burns in the eye. Frank and Margaret stand there stunned as they see all their plans to mold Captain Honeycutt and their image have gone up in booze. Later, some MPs arrive on the trail of the stolen Jeep. They find Frank sitting in it and put him in custody. Hawkeye and BJ wander by on their way to the showers, stopping long enough not to help Frank at all. The PA announces the list of people now permanently assigned to the 477th. Mike Farrell as BJ Honeycutt is inserted into the list. And at the end, we meet Harry Morgan as Colonel Sherman Potter, regular army. God help us all. Okay. Dan, welcome to Korea. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I got chills just listening to that description. I, I apologize, no. everybody, for the long, long no. synopsis, but you so this, this is a war movie yeah. in 45 minutes. It's it's like the reverse Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's it's like it's it's like first off, it's the, the, the first half is basically, you know, it starts out as typical mash, except everything is messed up because it's, you know, there's no Henry, there's no there's no trapper and all of that. But as soon as you get to the point where they actually hook up with BJ, and I, I you know, I imagine we'll go through this chronologically, but it is almost like that. Now it's a road movie between yep. the two characters. It's a buddy film. Yep. And it's how you have these two strangers starting out. I mean, even, even to the point where, when, when, when they're first introduced and Hawkeye is still disconsolate over having missed trapper and when Raider introduces them, he's like, oh, hey, yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I love that. He's, like, he's, he's like, like, yeah, completely whatever, yeah. dismissive, like, you're yeah. not important to me. And then the the moment, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but we'll, we'll, we'll start from the beginning. And sure. He, the, you know, the point where they're having their patter, and then BJ inserts Rudyard Kipling. Rudyard Kipling, yeah. <laughs> and, and Hawkeye pauses, and he looks, and then he gives them a double take. Yeah. And that's the first spark. Yeah. That's like, oh. Okay, this guy might be okay, and <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, and everything from there starts to smooth out. Um, but yeah, it's I, I, I absolutely th- I don't think there's a one single wrong note in either part of this two parter. It is perfect mash. It is. It might be the best episode or two. You know, let's call it just one an episode. It might be the best episode they ever did. It, it is certainly in the top five three four whatever it is it's it's brilliant and brilliantly acted and there are so many different threads that are going through it and the way they set up there's a there's a there's a a great long burn two episode joke that pays off at the very end and then pays off a second time 
which you know we'll go through. But they they have little short bits. They've got long bits. They do a great way of giving of, of showing the rapport between Hawkeye and BJ right off the bat, but also showing that BJ is completely different from Trapper. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and and immediately immensely likable, and that's that's the key to, to to what they did here because this was a risk. I mean, everybody knew what had happened with. Just as the background, everybody knew what had happened with Henry. Henry had died and everybody knew he had left, but it was in the interim that Wayne Rogers decided to come back. So now, you know, the, the, the network and, and, and the production team, they had to show, okay, what are we going to do now? You know, what, what's, our, what's our plan going to be and how are we going to insert these new characters and do so in the most seamless way possible? And they nail it. Yep. You know, we're not even getting to change a command, which I, which is another episode I absolutely love. But they, it's, it is a seamless transition, and it's, it's just a lesson in great television writing and acting. Yeah, uh, I learned uh, upon when I was doing the prep for this episode, I had always assumed that Wayne Rogers had announced that he was leaving MASH relatively soon after the end of season three, but that was not the case. Apparently he kind of really dawdled for a while about what to do. And so I found this interview clip or or this text interview with uh, Larry Gelbart, where he said that Matt, they originally started season three, excuse me, season four with the idea that Wayne would be back. And the original first episode of season four was going to be change of command. And then Wayne Rogers decided, nope, he's leaving. And they had to abruptly you know, as you just said, come up with the whole storyline as to how to get rid of Trapper and bring in BJ. And first of all, I can't wrap my head around the idea of seeing um, Trapper with Colonel Potter. Like that just doesn't like I can't picture yeah. that. You yeah. know, obviously you can sort of picture it because sure. Harry Morgan was in season three. And you, so you literally can see scenes with the two actors together. But to me, the BJ Potter era of MASH is so distinct. It's such yes. a hard cut of we are now in a new era that the idea that, that there would be change of command with Trapper, just my brain just cannot process that. So because, yeah, go ahead. And then, then the idea that they not only decided, okay, no, we have to jam another episode in front of that one, but then to do an hour long ambitious episode like this, which really suggests they were like not blowing their budget because MASH was a massive success by this point. But this is I, to do an episode that you had to, quickly get get produced in front of the one you were planning on and then to make it a double length episode and to make it as ambitious as it is is stunning to me like they they would go they would shoot for the swing for the fences so hard like that it's just so impressive yeah and and to pull it off and 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 it's it's it and you know it's a case of you know as you you're you're someone who you know is is has a creative creative endeavors um, whether it's, whether it's obviously, you know, most prominently your podcasts or your art or whatever it is. And, and for me, I've got my website and I'm, I'm sure you know that sometimes when you, when the chips are down and you have the proverbial gun to your head to be able to figure something out and do something, sometimes that's when you get necessity being the mother of invention. Sure. Yep. When you're like, you're, you're staring down the barrel and you have no time for bullshit and it's like, wham. And then you have to, and, and if you're in that zone where you're already at your best, because let's face it. Up to the end of the third season, MASH was now riding high. There were there were kind of ups and downs in the first season, but the show got consistently better all the way. Leading, it, it feels, if you look at it retrospectively and not knowing the background, it feels like this was its natural progression. Of course, it wasn't. We know right. that. But the, but they, they were in such a zone and there was such a 
I think there's such a singularity of purpose about what they were doing with this show and where they wanted to take it that they were able to nail this down. They picked they the, the casting of Mike Farrell was on the money. The writing and the, the 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 way that they decided that you know all right we know that the whole nature of the Hawkeye BJ relationship is basically a couple of fraternity buddies. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, hijinks and yes, they, you know, there's the, there's the drama and, you know, but, but really it's, it's these two guys who basically are pretty sophomoric in their humor. Hmm. You get to BJ and all of a sudden it shifts. BJ instantly makes the show more mature. He's not, uh, he's not a, um, he's not a clown. He's not a, and that's not to knock Trapper. Trapper's a great character, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah. This is a different relationship and they had to make it different enough so it wasn't going to copy what Wayne Rogers had done they needed a new character but the new kind of character that was going to be able to stand on his own and also work well with Hawkeye and had that kind of rapport the fact that they need to be able to do that and right away show that these guys can get along and be buddies is you know, it's, it was a great we, – we, we, from the beginning of the episode to the end, we still know very little about BJ. We know where he comes from. We know he's married. We know he's got a baby. We know he's ostensibly supposed to be a few years younger than the rest of them because they make a big point about him being a young doctor fresh out of residency. And, I mean, later on they kind of forget that and they, they pretty much even up the ages between him and Hawkeye. But um, – but when you're seeing them do this, you, it's all shorthand stuff, but it's their relationship. It's their acting. It's the conversation, which is basically the cue part of the of the episode is the scene in the bar where he's giving all the exposition. Uh, he, and, he and Ritter are giving all the exposition to BJ, but at the same time, they're also doing it for fans who maybe they missed – you know, they've heard all the hype. They've heard all this mm-hmm. craziness. Mm-hmm. Because I got to tell you, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I may have seen these when they aired live in 1975. I seem to remember watching these in prime time. But I wasn't watching MASH in prime time yet. I was watching it in syndication. So it's quite possible that this was kind of, I mean, I do know that these were the first episodes, first series or seasons, I'm sorry, that I did watch live on television. I didn't watch the first three seasons live on television. I wasn't old enough or I wasn't aware enough. But so I kind of started with BJ and then worked backward to Trapper. But in in watching it progressive over the last couple of years, as you know, I've watched a couple of re-watches of MASH and to watch the evolution is absolutely seamless and absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of all the new uh, – talk about Mike Farrell. Of all the new yeah. characters yeah. that MASH introduced, basically just the three, uh, BJ, Potter, and, and Winchester, I'd say that uh, they nailed BJ from the first episode. Yeah. Uh, now, as the show would go on, the character would deepen and you would get yes. to understand more about him. Yep. But in terms of his character, I think they had him from his intro. Uh, Potter, I think they took about four or five episodes, six episodes to kind of get to really between their writing the character and Harry Morgan's performance to kind of coalesce into the character that we know. Uh, Winchester, I think they took even a little longer. I think Winchester yes. took about half a whole season before they yeah. really kind of figured out who he was. And we'll, right. of course, talk about that when we get to it. But BJ, from the moment that you talk about, yeah. uh, which the clip of, of the Rudyard Kipling. Which yeah. is going to be the clip that I, I – that's the pick I clipped to end this episode yeah. because it's so perfect. It is yeah. – exa- you're right. Alan Alda does that wonderful head turn of like, oh, 
okay. Oh, this guy might be okay. Right. This is uh, this has promise. This has okay. pro- yes. This has promise. Right. This guy is not going to be. Uh, you know, he's not going to be another Frank Burns. He's not going to be right. a stick in the mud. He's not a military man. I mean, he jokes right. about you know the bunch of live doctors uh, running around in the dark, totally lost some idiot shooting yeah. live ammo over our heads. You know, yeah. I mean, so he's they nailed it immediately, and it was interesting because Mike Farrell to this point was not a particular star. He had no. been in TV shows. He had been, he had commercials. A, he would commercials. Yeah. He was a regular on a TV show called the interns. Yeah. He had very tiny appearances in films like the graduate. He actually gets a laugh line in the graduate. He's in the movie targets with the Boris Karloff, which is a marvelous movie. You've never seen it. <laughs> um, but I mean, he was not a big star. So no. how they arrived at him, I don't know, but man, they found the right guy. And I had, I read in um, Susie Coulter's complete book of MASH that when Mike Farrell got the job, Alan Alda apparently took him out and they just socialized together for a while and talked about the show. And Mike Farrell said he got a sense of, okay, this is what this is. I mean, obviously this is going to be the guy I'm going to spend most of my scenes with. Right. This is the guy that's been, you know, you know, other than Larry Gilbert and Gene Reynolds has been the driving creative force of the show. So he's got a lot of thoughts about it. But he, that's how much Alan Alda cared about the show. I mean, you could see a lot of other shows, they would meet the new cast member over donuts right. on day one. No, they decided let's socialize a little. And I'm going to give you this long understanding of what I think this show is and how I think these characters are going to interrelate and how it's going to be different than Trapper and Hawkeye. And so that really apparently gave Mike Farrell a really great understanding. And he, bang, hit the ground running on yep. this show. So, okay. Again, there's so much to talk about in this I episode. Know, I know, I know. I'm going to get into some of the, the, the sort of technical details. Obviously, uh, you can tell the show is different because in the opening credits, we've got new names. You've got Mike Farrell and Harry Morgan. Everyone's names are a little bigger uh, for some reason. I guess they thought they decided that the font size should be a little yeah. bigger. Um, obviously, um, the, the footage of the Jeeps coming down the road near the end of the opening credits has been cropped to where Trapper has been cut out because he's normally at the top of the frame, but he's cut out and it's ribbon. And uh, there's a new shot of uh, on the helipad. We see Mike Farrell as BJ running towards the helicopter yeah. uh, for a couple of seconds that they would replace that in a couple of episodes. But so right there, boom, he that's new. And we've got Jamie Farr. Jamie Farr has right. now been promoted to a regular. So we've got him. The show opens up with two quotes. Uh, one from, I will go to Korea from General Dwight D. Eisenhower, uh, soon to be President Dwight D. Eisenhower, and then General uh, Raymond Bliss calling Korea a terrible place. And so outside of the very first episode of MASH, which has the 100 years ago moniker, and the final episode, which has the title, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen, this is the only episode that features any sort of crawl in the front of the the show. So right there, we're already set. And I love the quietness of it of that we get the sense that this is a very different place than it was when we saw it last. It feels eerily quiet. And of course, Burns is in charge, which is the worst thing imaginable (laughs) is that to, to have been worked, been working under the warm hearted Henry Blake. And now this asshole is running things (laughs) is just the, and he's treating radar terribly. And I love, there's a lot of great laugh lines where it's, you know, ready to keep your clipboard under K, you know, you know, all this kind of radarism stuff about, um, you know, did you brush your teeth yet? Well, no, I do it after. Why? I want it done before. Well, that way I can taste the food. I mean, all this kind of, <laughs> all that <laughs> jibber jabber yeah. kind of stuff is great, but you really do get the sense it's like, oh, this sucks. This <laughs> sucks. I don't want Frank to be in charge. This is terrible. And, you know, they very, 
very, very smartly don't have any mention of Trapper. Right. And you're just thinking, well, maybe if you don't know that Trapper's left the show, you don't even notice it. You know, you're like, oh, why aren't Hawkeye and Trapper? And then Hawkeye gets wheeled in. And that's when it all, of course, goes up in smoke because Hawkeye's just incredibly funny, making fun of Burns, gives him the MacArthur doll. You wind him up and returns him anywhere. You know, he just does all of this stuff. And he's just completely uninterested in even though burns is in charge yeah. he still doesn't give a shit which is great i mean it's just like oh okay i'm now we're now back to a semi understandable relationship dynamic here that hawkeye is still going to be hawkeye he's still right. not going to listen to burn yeah and it's also and and the 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 fact that you can hear the rest of the company laughing behind him margaret even just- points it out yeah, it's it's the fact that you know it's it's not only just showing that Hawkeye's Hawkeye, but that Hawkeye still controls the camp. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that and that the dynamic between you know, and that that's even before we get to the idea of BJ's that the basic antagonistic dynamic still exists on the show. You know, it, this is before the um, the rehabilitation and reclamation of Margaret Houlihan, right? Right. And she's still pretty much written as a one note character, and Burns is always Burns. And this is at least them telling you, okay, this part of the show is not going to change. Yes, this, 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 there's still this, and there's still going to be the wacky humor, and there's still going to be, and you know, you know, Hawkeye of course gets up and wanders off to the showers, fully dressed, <laughs> you know, gets gets into the shower, he's soaping up his t-shirt and the whole thing, and so you're still in old Mash world. You're still, this is what you expect from a Mash episode, and then Radar comes into the shower and everything changes. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, you know, Margaret's development, of course, people as they as they you know grow over time, it's not a straight line. You know, they don't just no. start getting better no. and they keep getting better. You have hills and valleys for some people. Right. And you feel like there were episodes in season two and season three where you saw that Margaret had more sides to her than Burns yes. did. And then but you also know that if Margaret is handed the opportunity to run the unit. Yes. She's going to do it. So she, you know, in some ways she's kind of taking a step back in her emotional development here where she's kind of playing like the Dick Cheney to, to Burns' George Bush where it's like, right. all right, I have a chance to really run the show here right. because the guy in charge is not the brightest in the world. So I'm going to do it. And that's, you know, yeah, I, Margaret kind of goes back a little where she becomes super, uh, you know, I mean, there's a point where uh, Burns even has a line about he asks Margaret about something and she's like, no, you can't do that. And he's like, oh, gee, Margaret, ever since I got in charge, you don't let me do anything. Right. You, know, yeah, so- you don't let me do anything fun. <laughs> you don't let me it's, do anything fun. Yeah. Well, it's, but it makes sense though, because like you said, it's, uh, it's, it's peaks and valleys and it, it wasn't, I mean, the only, she was still consistently, not as bad as in the first season, but she was still consistently for the first three seasons shown as a fairly one dimensional character. And they had those, those little, those little glimpses, I think where they changed it and they kind of showed that the character had more potential and they certainly humanized her more than Frank. Frank was oh, just yeah. a lost cause, except for, except for maybe one or two scenes in the entire, you know, in the entire five yeah. years that Frank Burns is on the show. But do you actually kind of feel for him? But they do show the potential, but even so what, what happens with, um, what happens with Margaret, which intensifies during this season, is her change. Because really, as this season goes on, not to get ahead of you know the rest of your episodes, but this is when you really do start to see the fracture between Margaret and Frank. Because they actually fight and bicker quite a bit in the fourth season. Yep. More than what they did in the first three seasons. 
which of course would lead to what happens in the fifth season. But yep. it's, 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 I don't know how much of that was planned, how much of that was by accident. I know that the, the plan to, to, you know, basically rehabilitate the character was, was intentional, but at what point they decided they do that, I'm not entirely clear, but here at the very beginning of season four, this is classic old school, you know, Frank and Margaret. Yeah. She's so happy to be running the unit. She's yeah. just thrilled at this. So there's then again, after that opening scene, we get the scene in the, in the tent where you talked about where Hawkeye is scrubbing. So, and that's when radar gives him the horrible. And I love that, that, you know, once you, once you've seen the episode one time, you kind of get frustrated because you want Hawkeye to shut up and let radar tell him what he needs to tell him. And radar keeps trying. And then he finally says, and Trapper's gone. He's been shipped stateside. And there's this wonderful quiet beat where, you know, it kind of hits, you see it hit him. Yeah. Hawk, you see it hit Hawkeye and then he turns the water off and he, Trapper went home and he, you know what? And one of the things that I do love about this and, you know, MASH didn't pay too much attention to its ongoing continuity. I mean, we'll even talk about that in the final scene of this episode. But um, one of the things I love is that this moment where, where Hawkeye learns that Trapper didn't even leave him a note right. outside of the kiss on the cheek uh, leaves a scar in Hawkeye, which stays through the entire rest of this show. Uh, I'm would so be re- glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it would be referred to, uh, and actually just a couple of episodes from now would be referred to, but then it would even be mentioned in the final episode yep. of this series, yep. where when Hawkeye thinks BJ did the same thing, and he points out to Mark, and he says, Trapper left without leaving a note, too. And it's like, he is still hurt by this. He's hurt. Yeah. This much, I mean, obviously it's only a year in character time, but it's eight years in our time. Right. And I love that they never dropped that, that that opened up a wound in Hawkeye that never fully healed. And I just, it's a, I mean, it makes Trapper look kind of like a dick a little bit. It I mean, does. you kind of wonder why he would do that, but. It, it does, but it also isn't, see, I thought about this too, and I've thought about this a few times since watching the, since, you know, since my couple of rewatches and, and watching it last night was it, it, it is kind of it's 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 un, it, I don't think uh, obviously that uh, that um, that be, that uh, Trapper was trying to hurt Hawkeye. No, no, no. And it wasn't his intention. But when you think about be, uh, Trapper's character, it is almost fitting because you can sort of see where Trapper would be saying, "What can I tell this guy? Yeah, what are you going to write in a note? What am yeah. I going to put in a note? And and yeah. and I, I've been trying to get him." nothing I say is going to, is going to, is going to get the point across. So he's just kind of shrugs and says, give him a kiss for me. Yeah. And so you can, you can almost imagine the conversation between Trapper and Radar, that going down. And that's partial. That's also, let's not forget that the MVP or the, the underrated MVP of these two episodes, you know, we've talked about Mike Farrell. We've talked about, you know, everybody else, Radar is great. Oh, yeah. Burn off both of these episodes. Yeah. His reactions, his timing, his, his, he's completely enveloped in that character. And it comes across here that he, he doesn't, he makes this poignant moment funny because of his own discomfort of having to <laughs> deliver the kiss. He's so mortified. <laughs> and also, I think that's part of the joke. That BJ was probably setting up. It probably yes. tickled him to no end to yes. make Radar kiss, you know, to kiss Hawkeye yep. was actually a really funny thing to do. But I could also see where it would really be hurtful for 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 Hawkeye, who was always the most sensitive in the in the entire uh, company. You know, this is yep. always he would be hurt by that. It would it would upset him, even if 
Trapper was still really much being in character. Right. Yeah. The kiss on the cheek is almost like the perfect minimalist way of saying goodbye. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, it's saying that I love you. Thing. Yeah. Saying, yeah. I'm saying goodbye and I love you. And I have nothing else. What else can I say? Yeah. Right. Right. What are you, you going to what are you going to say to somebody to sum up, you know, a year together through, you know, this through kind hell. of through hell? Yeah. What are you going to yeah. do? And so, then, yeah, I'm sorry. And then the other thing is that it also you mentioned the final the final episode. And I and I agree with you that it does set up. It pays off. Part of the why good part of the reason goodbye farewell and amen pays off is because of this aspect, but it's also it's it's even at the end of that episode of the of the finale where you know Hawkeye basically says this is really goodbye you know we're not going to see each other again we'll we'll have a couple of letters and then that's going to be it you'll go on to your life and we'll and we know that to be true because that's really what happened between him and Trapper. And it's that other side of the war, you know, we got the horror of it with with Henry's unexpected death at the end of three. But this is the other part of it. The people that you as as Hawkeye says, you will be close to probably for the rest of your life, and then you'll never see them again. Yep. And that is a whole other kind of tragedy of uh, 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 about what the war does, what it does yeah. to people. Yep. Uh, so then, uh, like I said, Hawkeye and Radar head off to uh, head off to Tokyo. They get stopped. He blows by the one checkpoint. Then he gets stopped by the second, and he meets an MP that's played by the actor Tom Deaver, who would appear in six different Mash episodes. He always played MPs, right. or soldiers in some regard. He's the uh, he's the soldier in Change Day in season six, who they think gets uh, thinks Hawkeye cheated him out of money. So he's that that's a guy that he was. He, said he, he didn't have that many credits, but uh, he shows up in Mash a, a bunch of times. So and, and he does this whole bullshit story about the neuropraxia, uh, which is a real disease, right. is a real disease, but it's completely made up. And he, t- he has all this thing about, uh, you know, aren't you worried about getting sick? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm only a carrier. I mean, it just sounds like it's nonsense. You know? And then he talks about, makes him want to uh, froth at the mouth and try and bite his elbow, which is a great, or bite his nose. <laughs> bite he his wants nose. to bite his nose. And then you have Radar in the back just pantomiming it. But yep. he's, since he's been sedated, he doesn't go all in. Yep. He's just kind of like, kind of like twitching. <laughs> trying to bite his nose. Yeah, it's complete utter nonsense. It's great, and so and as Hawkeye even says to him, "I'm only the carrier," and and the MP just jumps back. You know, it's just like get out of here. It's fantastic. It's great. Groucho Marx, just you know, Alan Alda doing Groucho Marx, BSing his way through something. So they finally get to to Kimpo, and there's this scene where Hawkeye goes to the staff sergeant. And uh, by the way, the staff sergeant is an actor named Reed Cruikshanks. Great last name. Uh, he's he's actually uh, got a lot of film credits to his name. He passed away in 2008, but he was in movies like Fletch, Ed Wood, High Plains Drifter, and 48 Jeez. Hours. So good oh. for good for Reed Cruikshanks. Yeah. He's the guy who was going on and on on the phone about the general needs, uh, needs pickles, pimentos, all this you know, nonsense. <laughs> Obviously, some general is... Dealing with uh, the the worst thing in the world is not having his condiments right. in the middle of a war. The right color pimento. Yeah, the right right color. Yeah, the yeah the right <laughs> color. Yeah, ping pong balls, couple. <laughs> and and this is a moment where, and I've I've said this in other episodes where I grew up with this show with a laugh track. Uh, I grew up with it. That's what I'm familiar. That's what I'm used to. And so it doesn't bother me, uh, even when they they jam laughs in in moments. Except where there is a moment like this where Hawkeye is desperately trying to get the flight manifest from this guy and he can't get the guy's attention. And then he starts rifling through the guy's desk and the guy gets annoyed, finally hands it to him. And, you know, Hawkeye scans it, looks at it and says to no one in particular, he left 10 minutes ago. 
and he drops it and walks away. Now, following that moment, you have the staff sergeant who is completely not paying attention to what Hawkeye just said. And he reiterates the list of nonsense. And he goes, I got it. Pickles, pimentos, balls, and cuckoos. And on the laugh track, there's a giant laugh, which ruins it. If you watch the episode without the laugh track, there's just silence. And it's perfect. It's the perfect way to end the scene because that's the whole point of him reciting this list of nonsense is to underscore this guy that we, our hero has just been cratered emotionally. And this guy could not care less. He's worried about pimentos. And so to me, that's one of the moments where I'd say, yeah, the laugh track does not belong here because it really ruins the moment. Yeah, because it is the, the, the look on the look on Hawkeye's face. He's just oh crest, man, he's crestfallen. Yeah, it's he's just, just it's, like oh, yeah. You can know. hear drop the clipboard and stuff. It's great. Yeah, yet another thing, yet another reason for him to have to suffer. Yep. You yep. know, I mean, the, the suffering of Hawkeye Pierce is the, the the you know the subtext of the entire series, as we know. It also gets paid off later on. Yeah. But it's it's this is like you said before, it's a wound, and he's just devastated in that moment. And then, of course, it sets up the meeting, which is a great moment. It's, yes. it's like, but it's, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away um, from Trapper's departure. You know, it would, mm-hmm. you know, when they when they actually have their first their their first uh, um, you know interaction, the way that scene plays out and the way it's written, I think, is brilliant because you can see where. You know, the efficient radar, the new guy who's confused, and you have Hawkeye who's just in another world. Yeah, the, the, he gives uh, BJ a really perfunctory handshake. Yeah, almost you know, almost Yeah, rude. it's almost yeah. like, yeah, yeah, whatever, buddy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they realize the Jeep is missing. Right. And that starts the whole thing where he's got a calm radar down. And Berghoff is great. He's just hysterical. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, you know? oh, jeez. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna, they're gonna say I'm responsible for this. I signed that jeep out, and I'm poor. He's so upset. <laughs> He's so, and then again, we get the first, we get the first great joke of of the Hawkeye and BJ's relationship, where uh, where BJ says, "Is it always so calm around here?" And Hawkeye says, "It's the only war in town." You know, it's like yeah, okay. Right. And then he said, "Then we get to the moment of you can keep your head about all about you is losing theirs, and you probably even check with your answering service, Frederick Kipling." Right. And then Hawkeye has that great button. Good. Give that man a lady in the balcony. It's right. just boom. You know, it's what it, I love writing that says so much with so little. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, it's why I always say my favorite joke of all time. My favorite one liner joke of all time is, um, uh, is, is the, the line. Well, it's either how, other than that, how is the play Mrs. Lincoln? That's yes. a great joke. Cause there's no setup. Up. It's just one line. No, I use that one all the time. Or the other joke. I think it's a Shelly Berman joke where he says, Frank Sinatra saved my life one night. He told the guys, all right, buddy, he's had enough. <laughs> and, like, that joke is so good. Cause you have to know everything about it. To, you have to put it in yourself. So like, I, I love, I love that. that uh, it's a good joke. See, it's still a good joke. I love that BJ just, and, and then, he notices that Hawkeye gives him the, the, the double take, yeah. you know, and then when he says, he give that man a lady in the balcony, you yeah. see, you see BJ kind of chuckle a little bit. So you're like, yes, okay, we're off to a great start. So yeah. now they're going to get into this bar. He takes the captain's bars. He promotes him to corporal captain, which is fantastic. Oh. It's just a great corporal captain. Yes. It's utter nonsense. And I like that, that BJ, you know, is like, 
I don't think we want to get him in trouble. And Hawkeye yeah, right, right. Foul. He's like, he doesn't, he doesn't understand how it works yet. So he's, <laughs> he's sort of trying to be the voice of reason. It's like, yeah. and, and when, and when Hawkeye reaches over to bar his quote unquote, his costume jewelry, <laughs> you know, his bar, this new guy from the States and he puts it on and, 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 and this is where Beach is like, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Cause he's got no idea about the way this place operates. Yeah. He's about to find out. Yeah. So yeah. they go into this, they go into this officer's club. We meet the bartender, this lantern jawed guy named Richard X Slattery, which what a <laughs> hell of a name. Well, imagine having your middle name is X. Like that's, I've always wanted that. Yeah. That is bad at David, yeah. Dan X Greenfield. That'd be, yeah, great. be great. He plays the bartender. Uh, he had roles on shows like CPO Sharky, Bewitched, the new temperatures rising show, which I never failed to point out. Uh, when it when uh, it shows up here in the mass history, he passed away in 1997. We see in the background there's a general who immediately notices radar. He immediately <laughs> notices. He doesn't do anything, but we see him give a side eye like, "Who the hell's that in there?" Which is great, and I love the great. That's a great setup that we know that this is going to pay off yeah. shortly. But we see him looking kind of just uh, okay, all right. And then we get to this wonderful conversation between the three of them. Uh, I love the bartender where he orders the grape knee high. He's like, does the captain want a straw? And Radar is that we don't use straws in combat, fella. <laughs> He's so desperate to try to look tough. His, his, his delivery of it, too. We don't use... He's giving, when he does his J, uh, J, John Wayne imitation, he's using yep. his John Wayne voice. Yep. We don't use... We don't use straws in combat. Combat fella. fella. Yeah, it's so fantastic. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, then we get this great conversation. By the way, in the syndicated version that I always watched uh, as a kid, this this scene has been edited to ribbons, unfortunately. Really? All, yeah. It's been, I've they, um, seen it on disc. Yeah, it's a great yes. moment because it is. It, it's introducing Definitely. it's introducing the, the any new viewers to, to the history of the show. But in the syndicated version, they cut all of the descriptions of the characters except for when Hawkeye says I'm just mi- Trapper John the guy you're missing by 10 minutes 10 minutes oh. that's in there but everything else is cut which is ridiculous because this yeah. is a marvelous scene of Hawkeye yeah. and BJ getting to know one another and BJ talks about his life and I mean the idea the little house in Mill Valley Peggy's eight months pregnant and they draft me yeah. uh, and it's just it's a wonderful you feel so bad for this guy yeah. That his wife, he's leaving his pregnant wife. For God's yeah. sakes, it's the worst thing. And I love that when he says, you know, the, the, some idiot firing live ammo over our heads and Hawkeye just goes, American plan. And BJ right. just kind of nods like, yeah, all right. So, um, and then they go on. And then said, Hawkeye, we get this wonderful bit of Hawkeye telling us how he feels about everybody in the cast. Yeah. You know, he gets to say, well, Hawkeye was uh, Henry Blake. He was, he was a great, Henry was okay from the navel out in every direction. And I love when Radar goes, he sure was. And you see them, it's off camera, but you see them hold hands. Yeah. They put they put their hands on each other on the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great moment of just sort of like, yeah, I know, okay. Uh, and then they get into the whole description of Major Burns and, you know, I, 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 that whole bit. It, there's all the, all the, uh, all the, the light touch of a German jazz band, you know, mm-hmm. which is great. So then we get the general coming over and the general Boy, before you even get oh, that, yeah. the one thing, what I do like about that, it also is again, it's for the benefit of the viewer too, because yep. Yep. they're there for those who, who might have been, who might not have watched the show up to that point and jumped in at this point, because there was so much hype about the change. This is your exposition. This is your tour of the yep. 407, 407, through the protagonist. And 
It also helps to bring BJ into the fold. Yep. But it also is a reminder to you, the viewer, that there's a whole bunch of stuff here, remember, that is not changing. You know, we still are this show, and this is all still the background. It's going to be different, but it's still going to be the same. You still have Frank. You still have Radar. You still have Margaret. They've already shown briefly. They've shown that, that you know, Klinger still, he, he can't wear a dress, but he's still fighting the power by wearing a bonnet. And they <laughs> it's show it spring, in a, sir. It's spring, sir, you know, <laughs> and stuff like And And even, even Father Mulcahy gets a little line in there when he's correcting, uh, when he corrects uh, Frank over uh, getting the time wrong. Right, right. So they've given everything that really tells the viewer that, okay, it's still your MASH. It's just going to be different, but it's still MASH. Yeah, ab- yes, absolutely. Everybody's, there. there's, Henry may be gone, but the rebel spirit and everybody still exists, right. even right. though Burns exactly. is in charge. So, so yeah, the general comes over and then we get Hawkeye with this marvelous double talk where he says we're experimenting with a new rank. It comes out of G2 and G3, making a G5 combined Fuck. officers optech glitch, which is just, <laughs> just nonsense. And I love the, the reverse shot of BJ as he's starting to follow along. Like he's going, okay, I gotta, I gotta, gotta go along with this. Right. I have to nod right. and pretend that I'm, that I'm going. And in fact, there's even a reference that I never understood until I got a chance to look it up where Hawkeye says, um, uh, you know, we're here in Seoul seeing if everybody likes it, which is like, what? Are we, like, <laughs> like, like, that's the way the army works. It's like you yeah. road test a rank out there on the road. But then BJ says, Coleman Hawkins, right? And Hawkeye goes, right. And I never understood what that meant until the internet where I could look it up. I, ne- I didn't know who Coleman Hawkins was. I didn't understand. And I looked it up and Coleman Hawkins was one of the early, the progenitors of jazz improvisation. That was his calling. And so BJ is sort of commenting in front of the general right. that you're just making this shit up as you're going along, right? And Hawkeye's right. Like, and he's that's assuming great. that the general doesn't know who Coleman Hawkins is right. either. Right. No, that's great. I also, it's, it's, it's that, there's the, the, the thing about the generals. First off, what I love about the, the what, 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 what underscores the gag is that when, when, when Hawkeye says that they're road, you know, that they're, they're checking around to see if people like it, the general doesn't blink yeah. because, because that could happen in the army because it's so insane. I love the, the general never says, no, this isn't how it happens. He's just sort of suspicious. So <laughs> it's, it's plausible, which I like, but also, also, and then and you're right, the Coleman Hawkins thing is great, but it's also how he takes in by borrowing the guy's pen yep. next to him. One to write negative. Down, one negative. Pen. And then the way, the way he hands the pen, the pen back to the guy to yep. say thank you. He's so, he's so almost officious in the way yep. that he does it. He's like, he's so in character bullshitting in the moment that again, you see the rapport starting to build between these guys in less than five minutes. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's unbelievable. So the actor playing the general is Robert Carnes. He appeared on MASH in season six. He would play another general in the Last Laugh episode where he's the one who accuses uh, of uh, BJ of being uh, coming into his hotel room and setting the place on fire and ended up being MASH's right. buddy, uh, BJ's buddy. Uh, but he was in, uh, when he was a young actor, he appeared in a lot of films uncredited, probably one line here and there. But man, some of the best films ever made. He was in The Best Years of Our Lives, wow. which is one of my favorite films of all time. Nightmare Alley with Tyrone Power. Kiss of Death with Richard Midmark. Wow. Miracle on 34th Street. Call Northside 777 with Jimmy Stewart. And he's in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. He's like so, I mean, 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, wow, what a filmography. <laughs> Jeez, that's really impressive. So he's great and I don't I don't like it at all. I don't yeah. I, I don't like it at all. So okay. So then and they radar's, radar's response is like doesn't miss it because he doesn't like it at doesn't all. Doesn't like it at all. At all. He's just absolutely <laughs> caving in on himself. He's so panicked. Yeah. And then I love when they decide to leave and uh uh they immediately uh just, it's like a dollar twenty. And uh, he says, pay him, Corporal Captain. And he's like, I think I got like five cents. It was a big promotion like that, and it didn't give you a raise. <laughs> it's just, it's just, he can't help but like stick at the radar just a little bit, even though his radar is practically wetting himself. He's so scared. It's just fantastic. And then even a better button on the scene is when they decide to leave, and radar comes out, and he's face first with a general. And he just goes, ah! And he just screams in terror. <laughs> and the general doesn't notice no, him. No, he just, he just, just on his salutes way. and goes right by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, again, I'm glad you pointed out Gary Berghoff is the third so leg of this stool. He so really is. Great. This is not just Alden Farrell. I mean, he's really marvelous. So then the, uh, you know, and then we get Hawkeye with the whole, oh, it's our Jeep. And Raider's like, no, it's not. It's the general's Jeep. And I love Hawkeye puts his hands over his eyes. Let me describe it, right? It's Olive Drab, right? Main Detroit, right? And you see BJ starting to laugh. So you, BJ's already like, okay, this is this is the score here. This is, this and he, I love the way Hawkeye grabs the general's flag and just tosses it over the dirt. He, he could doesn't not even try around. to hide it. No. You know, he just throws it away. Marvelous. So, so uh, he says, okay, Radar, uh, you know, he, I think he even says, follow the yellow brick road. So back to your, yeah. your Wizard of Oz reference. Wizard of Oz, yeah. And when this episode airs in syndication, it is this moment that it is split. This right. is where they, this is where the episode ends. And if you watch it in syndication, uh, it features a new voiceover uh, by the, I believe, Todd Sussman, who was always the uh, the voice of the PA. And it opens the second episode just re-explaining what you what you just saw in part one. Right. And he talks about it. He's like, "Well, he did miss Trapper. He didn't. He did pick up his replacement." And so they're like, "Okay, now I know where we are. We're oriented. Let's go." So you've got the second half of the show. It opens up with the scene with uh, Burns trying to talk, trying to talk uh, Mulcahy into, you know, being a little more on the on, on his side, kind of. And of course, as you mentioned, Mulcahy's not really having it now. He's got to be yeah. polite about it, right. but you know, and he even talks about it with the suggestion box and some of the stuff put in that suggestion box would really, you know, curl the hairs in your nose, Father. I mean, he's really, really upset about that. And but again, you feel poor, you know, poor Father Mulcahy. You know, I mean, he just doesn't have it in him to be a rebel, but at the same time, right. he knows this guy's an idiot. You know, <laughs> it's just tough, exactly. you know. Uh, and then there's this great moment where Margaret comes in and, you know, did you give uh, Captain Pierce permission to leave camp? And he's like, I certainly did not. And they're all, and, and, and at one point, uh, uh, Frank even sort of snipes at Father Mulcahy because he's so upset about it, where he right. says, you stay, you keep your nose out of this. Frank, you know, oh, and he says, and he says, sorry, father. And then he refers to Margaret as sorry, mother, which is mother. <laughs> horrible Freudian nonsense. Yeah, it's creepy. So, um, and then we get, uh, then we, we have um, our heroes on the way back. They meet Tom Deaver again. And he talks about the, uh, you know, he has, to, he has to explain why. He's like, well, Honeycutt. And he's like, it's, this Jeep is different. And it's this whole thing. And he's, he's claiming that BJ is the specialist for the neuropraxia. Right. And that the the way that you cure neuropraxia is fresh air, and you let you let the guy drive. 
Uh, and then there's features one of the great lines, one of the great jokes of all time on this series. Probably one of my, I was going to put it as my favorite joke, but there's another line. We'll get to it. But where he mentions that their commander is uh, Major Frank Burns and he's medicine's answer to longevity, which is <laughs> marvelous. I, mean, just, I, I just, that joke is just so pure. It's just so beautiful. Medicine's answer to longevity. It was absolutely great. So uh, on their way, so now we're, we're driving through the hills. Well, wait, no, hold on. Oh, you, right. you don't don't short sell Gary Berghoff. You know, uh, radar gets oh, him acting out like of, he's rabbit. He's or the something. one who gets. Yeah, right. He's the one who gets him out of the jam because Hawkeye's Hawkeye at this point is dying a slow death. He's not going to get out of it this time, and it's not until Radar just starts like barking <laughs> and starts <laughs> acting like he's trying to bite his. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, we better get out of here. And the other guy's like, okay. And he takes off. But it's but again, it's it's Barry, it's Gary Berghoff is just uh, he's dynamite in these yeah. in these in these, you know, in these parts of the show. No, he really is really, really funny. So uh this, and then they, they run into this Korean family uh where they are uh, running they're having the daughters search for mines with these giant sticks which seems like a horribly bad idea according to IMDb and you can't go by IMDb a lot of times Virginia Ann Lee is one of the daughters and Virginia Ann Lee was in the season 1 episode The Moose uh and and she's also one of Rosie's helpers in Abyssinia Henry now right. I don't know whether that's accurate or not I don't get a close enough shot of uh, the daughter to really sense I it seems it seems unlikely to me that they would get an actress that uh, had lines on the show to con- have her come in and not say anything. But I don't know. I can't. I can't uh, uh, verify. By the way, one other thing about IMDb that gets it wrong: it says on the uh, on the on the trivia page that the PA voice at Kimpo Airfield is performed by Rain Rogers, and I always thought that doesn't that doesn't that, that doesn't make any sense. And then I found a clip. Where again, an interview where Larry Gobart was asked about that, and he said that is absolutely not true. Yeah. Wayne was long gone from the show by then, so yeah, I don't know yeah, where that yeah. where that, that came. Doesn't it doesn't even make any sense, really. Um, the father, uh, the Korean family, is an actor named Ray Poss. Yeah, this is his sole acting credit uh, as the father. Um, they do this bit with uh, that no comedy writer could ever resist ever, where a character is talking to another person in a foreign language, and the word they are saying is completely the wrong of what they think it is. They can right. never get... And so he keeps calling the father Usan. And he says, right. Usan, that's in your own language. And he says, you just called him an umbrella. <laughs> it can't... Comedy writers love that 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 yep. joke of just that he's, he's saying the most ridiculous thing possible. And then we get this great moment, once again, of Gary Berghoff, Radar, where the bomb goes off and Radar just, boom, runs full tilt into the minefield, not thinking of his own safety, and carries the girl out. And I love where... You've got Hawkeye yelling, Radar, how are you going to get out? And you've got BJ going, O'Reilly. Yes. He's calling him O'Reilly because he's yes. not, he's he doesn't not, know him yet. He doesn't yeah. know him yet. Doesn't know to call him Radar just yet. It's yeah. I, I wonderful. Think, I think it's great also because it's a reminder that Radar is more than comic relief. It's a reminder. Yep. And we also get this a little bit later on that he's also immensely capable. Yep. And that he, and he does things that, you know, in this, in this, you know, when, when they finally, when he does carry the girl out and then they have to, you know, negotiate who gets to go to the hospital and who, you know, who has to stay behind where, you know, Ray, you know, Hawkeye says, you know, that was something really brave that you just did. He goes, really? What did I what? do? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it was just his, his instincts took over his, you know, and that's 
that's always the part that that's the capable radar. That's the radar who always knows how to handle a situation. That's the radar who is, you know, is the glue. And I thought that's another great reminder of showing us that that side of radar that is often taken for granted. And it's a great way to show it to BJ also so that he understands what radar is made up of. And that, and that subtle thing of him calling them O'Reilly, it's like, I I don't know him and he thinks that's the way to address him when of course it should be radar, but all of those things, it's again, it's more character development in a very dramatic situation. Yeah, absolutely. So back at the camp, we have a scene with, in the, uh, Swamp with uh, with Frank and Klinger, where he tries to get Klinger to take off his earrings, and Klinger refuses. <laughs> and he's uh, checking out the nudist magazines. A naked girl on the phone. What a what a naked girl sounds like on the phone. Which is, again, a great nonsense Dada esque line. That that's up there with a the, uh, later line where Klinger would say, "You ever see a Lebanese go up in flames? It's not pretty." As opposed to anyone else <laughs> going up in flames would be prettier. It's it's one of those lines where you're like, wait. What? So I love the idea that a naked girl on the phone somehow sounds different than a clothed girl, which is marvelous. Uh, but there's this there's this one moment, and I this is the kind of stuff that I when I would watch Mash over and over and over and over, and I would start noticing these things. And I used to think I was the only person that noticed these things. And of course, yeah, it's not true, of course. But you you start feeling like these moments are yours because you're like, anybody else noticed this? And so uh, Frank is telling Klinger to clean up and he's saying this place is filthy and we're going to clean up. And he starts pulling things out from under Trapper's old bunk. And he says, boots covered with blood, animals. And he throws this and that. And then uh, after Klinger leaves, after stuffing the porn mag in his his shirt, by the way, um, he pulls out Trapper's hat. Trapper's hat that we saw him wear, the big kind of bandana thing with the big black feather. And Previously, all the other items, the boots and his robe, he just grabs and throws like he doesn't care. Right. But he, but Larry Linville or Frank Burns does this pause yeah. where he just looks at the hat for like a half beat yeah. and then throws it aside. And I love that moment. It's yeah. in that moment, Frank, it, I, he doesn't miss Trapper, but there's some brief moment of humanity recognition, recognition that this was a yeah. guy that he served with and now he's gone. I, yeah. I love that. Great, because it's just, I don't know if that's in the script or that's an actor's choice, but that was Linville, that he added that little moment where we're just watching Frank be not a complete jerk for once. There, there, are, there are a number of scenes in this, in this two-parter where I had the same reaction. I said, was that, the, was that the actor or was that in the script? And it's true. The way he holds it and just half a beat longer before yep. it's, it's that, that brief glimmer of recognition. And you didn't get those moments very often with Frank, and yeah. they never take it so far as to be mawkish, but it is noticeable if you're, particularly if you're as attuned to the characters um, as someone like yourself or, or people who, who really love the show. It is something that you'll pick up. Yeah, I love it. It's great. So then we're back to Hawkeye and uh, and uh, BJ and Radar, and they, they get the blown tire. Which is, how much could possibly happen in the right. space of one? Well, this trip? is why it feels like the the like the 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 reverse of the the. Uh, the Wizard of Oz is that they're they're going to all of these places. They're heading to like the opposite of Oz, the worst place on earth is which is the math, you know, the Mash uh, four hundred seven seventh. They're heading there, and as they go, as opposed to things getting more exciting or more intriguing, things just keep getting worse and worse <laughs> and worse. And it starts with actually when they're zooming along the road, and BJ's hat flies off. Mm-hmm. 
because what you're seeing also is BJ's entrance, the welcome to Korea. It's a metaphor too. It's not just, it's, it's not just the, it's BJ's welcome to Korea. And he starts out as this bright, shining, full, you know, handsome, clean and pressed uniform, clean and pressed uniform, completely ostensibly by the book because he doesn't know any better, but clearly has a rebellious spirit. And the first thing is he loses his captain's bar within minutes. You know, <laughs> that's taken away by Hawkeye, given to Radar. And and then the next thing is, so that's already, you're seeing a little bit of a, you know, a, you know chink in the armor as it is. Then you see his hat fly off and they don't go back for it. And as it gets progressively further along here, more things keep happening to BJ, which is also helping to set up <clears throat> the longest fuse joke that the show ever did and we'll get back to that okay so yeah, <laughs> it really is it's it it's it is just Mars. your cookies will be next after i lost my right, hat right exactly um so then they've got the the bit with the uh the tire and i love the whole bit about radar is like oh i i lost my bubble gum who was on the card rosalind russell well we just won't tell her which i like it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's a great moment and then when the the uh the the locals walk by i love that bj knowing that they don't understand english yeah. And he says, uh, you know, uh, hi, I just got in. You know, he just throws that in. Uh, he mentions that his father is a doctor, which is a detail that they would never refer to again. Right. Three generations of doctors. Three generations of doctors. And I wonder if the writers didn't realize, well, geez, now both our main characters have fathers that are doctors. That's maybe a little too similar. So that's probably something. I mean, BJ's father didn't really come up much at all uh, at this point. But I just thought that was interesting that they would they would do that. And then, of course, they start getting shot at and there's a great bit of physical comedy where even while they're being shot at radar doesn't want to lose the general's jack yeah and he says salute it and get in which radar does (laughs) does (laughs) it's great you know the other thing about the um about the three generations of doctors also the implication that they never really go back to is that bj came from money because they show they show him pull out the stack Oh, that's right. He's got and, yeah. When he pays he for makes, the bar tab, that's right, right? He pays for the bar tab, and he's got a big fat stack of clean script. <laughs> and and Hawkeye notices it and also asks him if uh, you know he's obviously setting up to be hustled for, for poker. But it's also it's a subtle way of showing okay. That's one of two things: either he came with a lot with him because he didn't know what he would need over there, or he has a lot of money. But that's something they they really dispensed with very quickly and just simply made him middle class yeah. you know because yeah. the money thing really came in when when uh when 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 charles yeah. came in and they, yeah. who was fabulously wealthy yeah. and so they never really went back to that with bj but I, I always got the sense that maybe they were planning on him coming from like a a more just a, a you know upper middle class yeah like uh, a patrician background. kind of background right whatever, exactly so, yeah. yeah um so okay so then we get the uh hawkeye and uh, bj and radar stumble upon some troops and they ask where they're all from and one guy says iowa and the radar atama iowa atama did its bid radar they sent you (laughs) and that's when the bombs start to fall and i mean you know look i mean you have to remember matt this is a tv show this is a tv show budget uh as we watch television in in 2020 or 2021 at this point of course um we're used to tv shows like game of thrones and star Mm -hmm. trek looking as good as movies but this was still kind of a new thing and you know yeah is this is you know is is the battle sequence here you know going to win any awards for great battle scenes no but it's pretty ambitious for a tv show for a tv show but it looks fairly realistic as the bombs start to fall and that's when we see bj you're talking about that he's losing everything he's losing his hat he's losing his captain's parts and here is where he's losing 
whatever he has of his innocence because yeah. he is going to see um you know when he, he the first wounded person and uh, that, that we see we don't we just see the the back of the body mm-hmm. and uh bj looks at him and says he's 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 12 years old right. and he's just sickened and hawkeye just says well he's never going to make 13 and he's just like yeah. we don't have time for this we don't have time you know and this is bj catching up here with all this stuff and then so they we run into another soldier, another uh, GI who's wounded, and radar. I mean, uh, I love that Hawkeye immediately takes over. Where he says, "I'm an, you know, give me your bag. I'm an MD." And the the the, the uh, medic is, you know, hands it over. Like, okay, you know, this is great. We've got a doctor here with us. Uh, BJ goes and he runs over to tend to another GI. That is an actor named Nat Jones. Uh, he played Stoned Boy in Coffee, which is my credit. <laughs> he was on shows like Incredible Hulk and Chips. And, you know, uh, BJ is there to reassure him. And he says, I don't feel anything, Doc, and we'll, we'll get you going. And so then um, Hawkeye, we see this great moment where Hawkeye runs over to two soldiers, one of whom is face down. Hawkeye looks looks disgusted for a moment, but then drops the, the body back down because clearly the boy, the man is dead. Then tries to attend to the second one. He calls BJ over, and, man, Mike Farrell does one of the great pratfalls. Yeah in TV history where he slides into the mud and yep. it looks genuine. It looks like yes. an actual trip and fall. Does and boy, he covers himself in mud. I hope that he got that in one take because it yep. is brilliant. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, again, it's, a, it's, it's the more of the, he's getting deeper and deeper and deeper into, into the hell of Korea. And it happens in, in, in two parts here. First, he runs back and he trips so now he's got shirt tail flying. Yep. He's not only not even close to being in his dress uniform anymore. He's filthy. Yep. He's got no hat. He's now in Korea. He is now literally, I mean, he's Korea is on his body, <laughs> you know, the, the, the dirt, the, 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 you know, but it's also when you said lost his innocence and he goes over to the other body and, and Hawkeye just simply says he's had it. Yeah. And, and, BJ's indignant because he doesn't understand how this works. Yeah, well, let's so, try. Aren't you even yeah. going to try? It's not even let's try. It's like, aren't you even going to try? It's like he's scolding him. Mm-hmm. And then he opens, then he lifts the body, and you see the look of horror that Hawkeye had given also, but Hawkeye's was muted because Hawkeye has seen it so many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just had this moment where he had to catch himself and move on to his work where BJ could not. And BJ yeah. goes off, and Hawkeye doesn't even notice. It's Radar who knows. Yeah, he taps him on the, taps taps him on the him arm on the like, hey, look. Yeah. And remember just a, a scene and a half before where he says, I've lost my hat. And he says, you'll lose your lunch next. Yeah, so, which of so, course. So, exactly so Hawkeye's even yeah. called it. And it's just, yeah. you're, you're seeing the, the worlds converge, you know, in, in a sense, BJ is us as if it were our first day in Korea. And you're now looking at the world through BJ's eyes. What would it be like if you were first arriving in Korea and as a doctor from his perspective, and now he's starting, it's starting to dawn on him just how horrific this is. And it also gives the show to stretch its dramatic muscles and tell the viewer, you're going to be seeing a lot more of this now, I think, anyway. Maybe it's retrospect because I know how the, the, the series plays out. But this is a lot more horrifying than you would tip. You saw plenty of horrifying stuff in the first three seasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't mean to short sell it. But it's so intimate here. 
um, seeing him throw up on camera, even if you don't see him actually throw up on camera, seeing the, seeing him get there, there, there's so much going on to pack in the way, you know, radar is again, showing himself to be incredibly capable, helping to pack wounds, not going, Ooh, ick, just running yep. here, doing this, you know, playing the field commander in the sense, triaging the scene or helping to triage the scene. BJ is completely, you know, he's just completely down and that's when you get the million dollar payoff is that yep. when, when Hawkeye says to welcome to Korea and he yeah. reaches out his hand and helps him up. And then they I, run off like Butch and Sundance to help out somebody else. Yeah. I love the, the moment with radar. And I wanted to mention this. I love that when uh, he, you know, radar points out to Hawkeye, you know, look what's happening and radar Hawkeye gets up to yeah. help BJ. And he says to radar radar tie this tightly around his, and he never finishes. He doesn't yeah. finish the statement because radar knows. Radar, radar is enough has dealt with enough gore and and this kind of stuff to know what to do, which I think right. is is marvelous. I think that's just a great that's great beat on radar that he knows. All right, I, I don't yeah. Yeah, I don't and need they, Hawkeye to tell me. And we've been seeing the, the way they balance in you know the the, the rate you know with with BJ there, radar the innocent and the radar the scared with radar the capable. Yep. And it's it's just again, it's brilliant. And I, and I was thinking about this when I was watching last night is that it was a masterstroke on the writer's part to, to include radar in all of this. Yeah, because he helps to he helps to reflect so much of what's going on that I don't think that any of these sequences would have been I'm sure it would have been fine if it had just been the two of them. But by having radar as a third voice and a third viewpoint, I think just deepens this whole sequence of their of their not only just the part getting to Kimpo, but the return to camp. And that's why I really do feel like it's almost like this reverse Wizard of Oz where they're going to, to these stops on the way to this, you know, this, 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 this goal, this place they need to get to. But instead of it being interesting and exciting and colorful, it's just more and more horrible the closer that they get. Yeah. Uh, so then he said he helps, he helps BJ vomit. Um, by the way, that's something modern television does now. I guess standards have been all the time altered that you can show people when people vomit now, you see it yeah. and you don't need to see it. I don't know why no. you ever need to see it. I, I, I know I can, I'm, I'm smart enough to know when somebody's going, what they're yeah, doing. Exactly. I don't need to yeah. see the crap yeah. fly out of their mouth. And I love <laughs> that it's, it's cut that you don't need to see it. Um, yeah. we see a, uh, uh, a, uh, someone else yell. He says, say, he says, sir, our tenant took one right in the wallet. And then we, yeah. we do a reverse shot. And, you know, look, I don't get super verklempt uh, or misty-eyed at a lot of entertainment. I just don't. Um, I just, this is not something that, that I don't have that reaction to a lot of things. I can count on one hand the number of times of things that really get me. But this moment of Hawkeye changing, Alan Alda changing position in the shot, because, of course, he's on the other side of the frame with his head on, hand on BJ's head, then he turns around, leans over, and pulls his hand out. And there's this moment of BJ looking up at him. They lock hands. He pulls him up and he says, uh, you don't forget this is your first day at school. I mean, to me, that is one of the great moments of this series. Of, oh, definitely. Of, this is Hawkeye. Their friendship is going to deepen, but this is born in this moment of, yeah. I understand you are terrified. Yeah. I get it. And I'm here to help you. And yeah. that is just... Every time I look at that shot, I just feel like, man, what it would be like to have a friend in that moment to do that for you like that. And it, again, not to jump too far ahead, but I think about the line from from Goodbye for Well and Amen, the final scene between these two characters on the chopper pad where 
where BJ says, I can't imagine what this place would have been like if I hadn't found you here. Yeah. And it's that line. It's a thank for BJ. Thank God that yeah. Hawkeye Pierce was the one that picked him up because yeah. otherwise this would have ended very, very differently. And so it's the end of this amazing sequence. I mean, this yeah. thing, really, it's a, it's a friggin' war film uh, during this part. It's just yeah. un, unreal. So then we get back to the unit and uh, Burns learns. And, wait, wait, and even the look on, on Mike Farrell's face when he's sitting there still on his knees and he's trying mm-hmm. to catch his breath and Hawkeye has his hand, he just has this look of helplessness. Yeah. But then, then this look of recognition is like, okay, I, yep. I'm, 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 you know, I'm not alone here. Yep. And, and I, okay, I gotta, I gotta get up. And, yeah. and that also shows that that's a little bit of a character, almost like a blink for BJ. Yep. where where you're seeing it from his perspective as well. It, it's it's masterful. Yeah. So then back at the uh, we see that uh, Burns learns that uh, that, that uh, Hawkeye and Radar picked him up, and they he says nobody's seen him. That big snot. I love the whole beat about we're yeah. going to train him our way. I bet he's mm-hmm. Republican. And Margaret, oh, oh that, that would be line. too much to ask. That She's moment. almost like oh. I know, I know. She's almost getting aroused. Yeah, yeah. But oh. it's, but but that's the thing is that they've been setting that up since the very beginning of the first episode when they find out about BJ. They're looking through his background, and this whole time they're like twenty eight years old and we can mold them in our way and they keep yeah. repeating this like they're so eager to get their hands on the third surgeon the, the balance <laughs> of power you know that this is going to be their opportunity and then hawkeye is going to be you know he'll, he'll be isolated yeah. and, and then finally we'll be able to do things <laughs> our way and then they have one more stop of course before they even get to the camp which now correct me if i'm wrong because i haven't watched the, the other episodes in a while is this the first time we see rosie's uh, the first time we see the inside of it, yeah. we have seen the bar to this point, but right. this is the first time they go inside. Right. Okay. Yeah. We see it. Yeah. So they have the, the, again, they were blowing the budget on this one. Yeah. I love the line about where, uh, where, where BJ says, I really can't wait to see the place. And Hawkeye <laughs> goes, you can wait. <laughs> you can wait. And again, it just sums up the whole show about the tedium is only relieved by the boredom. I can't think of a single reason we're here except that we're needed. Right. Uh, again, it sets up the whole premise of the show again. And there's this fight going on in the background. Neither Hawkeye or Radar are, are acknowledging it. They don't care. And it's BJ's very worried about it as this pitched fight is going yeah. on right behind them to the point where it Look splashes over face. to the table. It actually breaks <laughs> under the table. And all Radar's sole response was, they're all out of maraschino cherries. That's right. it. That's and Hawkeye, Hawkeye says, please, I'm with friends. <laughs> 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 it's unbelievable. Rosie's bars are and then they go another, and then they order another round. Yeah, another like, round. Another sake. Get more sake. They yeah. come out and they're all completely pie-eyed. Yeah. Uh, I love the physical gag of uh, Hawkeye claiming he can drive and Radar, right. like, you can't drive, you're drunk. And he climbs onto the steering wheel <laughs> and Radar's response is to honk it, which of course right. sends a vibration through Hawkeye's right. crotch and makes it woo! <laughs> fantastic. And, and you're seeing Mike Farrell cackling. Oh, you know, he's, he's, he's a great laugh. He's, he's just completely, laugh. you know, not only is he just drunk, but whatever it is, is they, they, these guys have now bonded. They're, they've now shown that whatever jokes they were telling off screen in the interim, between the time that they ordered the more sake and they see them walking out, clearly they've been having a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And so then Burns and Margaret hear the honking of the horn. Oh, he's here. They're so excited. It's great. And it it makes the joke work that much better when you've already seen the show a bunch of times, knowing they're about to be 
horrifically disappointed. It's right. just great because they're so excited. They just think, as you say, the balance of power is finally shit. I mean, Hawkeye counts for like three people. Right. He's so powerful. <laughs> He's right. So you need you need numbers to overwhelm him. Right. That's the only right. way it's got to work. So they bring him out, and then he says, and they're <laughs> just filthy. And I love how dry uh, Hawkeye does. He's Major Burns, Major Houlihan. Like, he just could not be more serious. May I present Captain BJ Honeycutt. I love that BJ gets out of the gym, and his legs bow, about to fall over. It's great, great bit of physical comedy from Mike, Mike Barrell's part. He does this exaggerated salute, you know, where it's like Sergeant Bilko level. Like he puts his arm out as far as it can get and he does it, you know, it's ridiculous. And then he just like, what say you ferret face? And then he collapses into Margaret's lap. Right. Uh, and his face is right yeah. into her crotch or her yeah. midsection. And the look as he's laughing at, at Burns, Burns and Margaret look at each other. And again, like I said, it's like all their plans just went up in smoke. That's it. And and and, and uh, Hawkeye's reaction to their reaction yeah. is just, and and that's the, that is throughout the entire series. That's the longest joke they played out. The slow burn of that joke over two episodes, where they are setting up because that's the only time that they're ever cutting back to the camp is to not only just how frustrated they are that Hawkeye left, but it's, again, their dreams about BJ, their dreams about BJ. What is BJ going to be like? Which, of course, is also very meta, because anybody who is watching the show is like, what is BJ going to be like? What is BJ going to be like? So from their perspective, they think that BJ might be one of them, and they think that this is an opportunity, and blah, 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 and they keep going back to that. And then finally, the first thing BJ says is not even how that nice to meet you. He doesn't even fake it. It's just what say you ferret face, ferret face. and then, and then he hugs Mar- Margaret like he does. It's so it is screamingly funny. It is yeah. a great payoff to a gag that took two. That, that that's why I think that the, show, the the writing on this show is so masterful. Is that they've got so many little quick hits, so many great scenes, but then also taking it, stretching it out. There's a great gag that they build across two full episodes. And there's yeah. even a button on it when we get back to the button. Right. Then they got this button on it where uh, the, the, the uh, MP shows up to claim right. the Jeep back. Right. And, of course, Burns is sitting in it at the time. And they, they decide to arrest him. And, of course, Burns, not knowing how to be at all decent, <laughs> just keeps calling Hawkeye, snot, snot, snot. And Hawkeye turns to the, to the MP and says, have I ever lied to you? <laughs> and which, of course, he's done nothing but that the entire episode is lie to this guy. And the guy does a double take, like, all right, baby, okay. Uh, <laughs> they cart, they cart Burns off, and of course, you know, one of the major plot lines of the Mash movie was Hawkeye stealing a jeep. That was a big recurring right. joke across the movie. Was and so then we have BJ in a red. Um, I'm sorry, Hawkeye is in his uh, his purple robe, color of royalty. Uh, BJ is in his blue robe. And they walk up, and then we get our announcements where we find out, okay, of the new cast members, Alan Alves, Hawkeye, Mike Farrell's BJ Honeycutt, yada, 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 yada. They, they do mention William Christopher's Father Mulcahy, even though yep. he had not been promoted to be a regular by this point, and we see everybody. And then we get the button on the button, which is a clip of the next episode, which is, as I said, it's uh, Colonel Sherman Potter, regular army, pause, God help us all. all. And it's interesting. It mentions that Colonel Potter is reporting for duty on September 19, 1952. This is one of these moments where MASH just played very fast and loose with its dates. Because at that point, the Korean War only had about 11 months left to it, I believe. So somehow all of the remaining... (laughs) 
seven seasons of MASH fit in 11 months, which is yeah. you know, impossible. Yeah. So they just, you know, they didn't pay too much attention to that. But well, we do get... One of the great late series episodes about where they do the one year and the one yeah, episode. Yeah, War for All Seasons. It's, it's all now. 1951. Yeah, so it's, no, it's, it, it, yeah I mean, they, they just didn't, you know, and, and this, frankly, the series is fine for it, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure that when they wrote this, they didn't think MASH was going to go on for seven more years. Yeah, Nobody no. thinks their TV show is no. going to go on for seven more years. No. So it ends with that clip of, of Colonel Potter. Of course, we'll get to that in the uh, in the next episode. But that's the wrap-up to, yeah. to Welcome to Korea. I mean, as you said, Dan, it... It belongs on a list of top three, top five episodes of all time. It's just yeah, it's, it's brilliant it really from beginning does. to end. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll add one more thing about the snot, snot, snot thing. Because when we watched that last night, again, my son, who, as I mentioned before, howled with laughter. Because that's one of his favorite bits in the entire season. And it was mine, too, growing up. Snot, snot, snot. And what's great about it is that the, the, the beauty of Larry Linville is that he was – masterful at delivering these these lines that made him look like such a jackass but he does such a great job that you actually believe he's a jackass and anybody who's ever read anything about larry linville they say he was the most wonderful guy in the world yeah very nice man yeah when he's doing the snot 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 thing and you and the camera goes back to him after he's delivered the lines it looks to me like he is trying not to break character he's laughing in his eyes when he says it because they keep showing it and it looks like he is this close to cracking up. And it makes me wonder how many times they had to deliver that line, because if I had to deliver the line like he did, I don't think I'd be able to hold it together because it is so damn funny and so damn juvenile. Yeah. Um, I love that he's a little out of breath too. Yeah. He's so all out of breath. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> snot, snot, snot. Yeah, he's just overdoing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, and it's great that they set up that it's a great cliffhanger by having Potter the way they show up because again up to this point we've they've talked about Henry they've talked about you know Burns is in charge and you think that that's going to be the new status quo now I assume that viewers knew that Henry that uh, Harry Morgan was coming and that that was you know that this was all going to be temporary anyway but still now they're telling you oh but wait there's more yeah we've brought you all of this but here's another one that's coming that's going to change everything and of course the 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 setup is that potter is going to be no nonsense and maybe that's where uh hot lips and um and frank are going to get there maybe it's going to be finally the score is going to be even because the boss is going to be you know regular army until we find out very quickly that potter is the sweetest man on the planet (laughs) true enough true enough and we will we will get to that uh, next week so this show welcome to korea it won two emmys uh for best directing for gene reynolds well deserved and for editing for uh to fred berger and stanford tischler again well deserved i mean this is this is an oppressive episode all the more when you realize that it was basically slotted in out of schedule which is just unbelievable uh way to to do it and uh it's just again it's just a brilliant episode i never tire of watching it um it's just a beautiful way to introduce one of the best introductions of a new character any tv show ever did just absolutely and i'm imagining if you're mike farrell and you're worried you know, boy, am I get because you're the first new change of this successful yeah. show. Nobody wants right. to be the guy, as they say, nobody wants to be the you know the the knife that kills it. And the um, number two billing too. I mean, not right, yeah, I mean, right into the number two billing. It's yep. not like they're they're just adding him to the cast. It's a yep. major role. Yep, yep. Uh, I mean, I would imagine if you got that script, you'd say, boy, this is damn impressive. This is a hell of an intro for my character. Right. You know, this is not Hawkeye going on and on and on, and then I just show up. It's BJ gets a lot to do here. It's just a, yeah. it's just. Big, Brilliant from beginning again. So, okay, favorite line, Dan. What is your? I mean, I've already uh, talked about medicine's answer to longevity, which is brilliant. 
the the moment with Hawkeye and BJ where they, they he grabs his hand is my favorite moment. But in terms of a favorite line or joke out of this whole show, hard to do. Oh, but out of this whole show, do you have a favorite line? Oh man, I you know the the Rudyard Kipling moment is 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 one of my favorites just because it says so much with saying so little that you you get this first spark and i and as far as a joke i don't have a favorite joke because there there are so many so many um but i i mean i, I do love the absolute payoff what say you ferret face because of the slow burn nature of that joke and what they're setting up and how it pays off which i think is great but you know even again when right after that when he says snot 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 i i i giggled like a little kid because it's so juvenile so it still has that kind of humor too that's the beauty of mash is that the humor worked on so many different levels so i can't say that i have a favorite line but i could say that i have favorite moments and and, and i've mentioned a couple of them already uh fair enough uh my favorite joke is a joke that probably wouldn't get told nowadays because oh, we just live yeah you know what's yep. coming yep. uh but it's it just makes me laugh every time is where bj is telling hawkeye about his his life back home and he says uh when we get our, our first our, our dinner at the top of the mark uh, peggy's first night out after having the yep. baby we get home and our babysitter norma jean has a message and then bj for as he continues his story hawkeye goes wait a minute norma jean 18 <laughs> And BJ goes 16 and Hawkeye just goes, Ooh, I can look on his face. It is so inappropriate for today's audience. It, re- it, it, it would really not fun. be a joke that would work in uh, 2021. And I'm, I'm happy with that, right. but it's a funny joke because, and then again, I think part of the reason is that Norma Jean, for anyone who doesn't know, is the real name of Marilyn Monroe. Of course. And you have to imagine that 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 uh, Hawkeye is a Marilyn Monroe fan as any right. red-blooded American male was in the 1950s. So it's the name he's thinking of himself was was there an 18-year-old Marilyn Monroe out there somewhere? Yeah. No, yeah. He's just a little too young and Hawkeye's just the, the, the mock frustration like he just missed it kind of yeah. thing. And then BJ yeah. laughs along with it which is right. marvelous. So that I just love that joke so so much makes me, but again, there's a million great, you know, Corporal Captain, Radar's guttural scream at the general. I don't yeah. like it at all. I mean, it's just for, well, even the line about Republicans, where it's like, oh, oh, that would be too much to ask, too much for. to ask. Oh, yeah. it's just everything, just beginning to end, just a brilliant episode. So, wow, uh, this is welcome to Korea, Dan. I mean, I wanted to make sure that I always want these shows to be good, obviously, but there are some that I love so much that I really want to make sure that we deliver on the brilliance of this episode. And that's why I had you on because you always deliver. And so thank you for coming back on MASHCAST talking. Welcome to career with me. Oh, thank you for having me. This is, this is, this is a, this, this is a, an episode or two part or whatever you want to call it that looms large in my life. And as a MASH fan and as, as just a, a, a you know, pop culture and television and, and all that good stuff that when it's at its best. And, and the fact that I got to come on to talk about this and you and I have been talking about this for a while. Cause I even said, I think back in the, when you first started doing that, I said, when you ever get to, when you get to season four in the year 2025 or whatever, yeah, there you go. at the rate you were going at the time, I was like, remember me for that because I really want to talk about it. So I really appreciate the opportunity. I'm, thank you for the honor because this is, this is, this is such a special episode. So I appreciate being able to talk about it. No problem at all. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? They can find me at 13th Dimension, the uh, comic book pop culture website where 
I, I've toyed with writing about MASH on there, but it just doesn't seem to fit the rest of the website. But there you have it. Um, uh, you know, we, we're primarily comic books, particularly, uh, you know, silver and bronze age comic books, a lot of the stuff that you do on your other podcasts. Uh, you, of course, have uh, been a regular contributor. In fact, I think at this point you are probably the longest tenured contributor at the site because oh. you were there within the first year, I'm pretty sure. And oh this, my. Year, wow. okay. this fall will be eight years. So I've got yeah. tenure. All right. Yeah, you've got tenure, right? Exactly. And we just, just had a couple of your columns run this week, the two uh, Captain America TV movies, which uh, got a great reception. So thank you again for your contribution. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I love it. So uh, this is actually a perfect segue. Dan talked about uh, scheduling and how far ahead or how long it's going to take to get through MASH. So um, I, I'm going to just get to this now, everybody. Um, in terms of the, how often MASHcast is going to come out for season four, there was a much bigger gap between seasons two and three than I planned. I had only hoped for couple of months but uh i realized that i i sort of shifted my idea of how mash cast was going to come out where i was like no uh i'm going to do 24 right in a row and i don't want to interrupt anything and that of course uh made I, that meant i had to get a lot of episodes done ahead of time to be able to keep up that schedule and that caused there to be almost like a six month gap between mash seasons, mash cast two and three. And I don't like that. I don't like the show being gone for that long. So I decided I'm going to flip it back to the way I used to do it. And so the gap between, by you're hearing this, the gap between the end of season three and the start of season four is much shorter. I'm much happier about that, but to make room for other shows that I do, because I do 19 other shows here on the network, there will be occasional weeks on the Wednesday slot where there will be another show of mine in place of MASHcast. I won't do it much, but occasionally we will have a For All Mankind or some, another show that I'm working on. And so, uh, so there will, you know, MASH itself was occasionally uh, interrupted by events uh, in, the, in the news. So once in a while, there will be a week off for MASHcast, but I figured it's worth it to be able to get to the show sooner and so we're getting to season four a lot sooner than 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 we did in season three and i'm happy about that so that's going to be the schedule going forward so it's going to be mostly a weekly show but once in a while we'll have another show on a wednesday and then mashcast will be back after that so just giving you all a heads up so of course if you want to follow mashcast go to twitter at mash 477 cast you can follow it on the website findwaterpodcast.com you can also subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher and amazon music and finally if you want to support mashcast and the fire and water podcast network Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Nicholas Prom, Russell Burbage, Stan Peel, Dolph DeVries, Britt Schramm, and Mike Thomas for their support of MASHcast. Thank you all very, very much. So that is going to do it for this first episode of Season 4 of MASHcast. Can't wait to get to the rest of the episodes. This season is so, so good. It's going to be a blast. So until next week, that is all. If you can keep your head while all about you are losing theirs, and you probably haven't checked with your answering service. Rudyard Kipling. Who's that man and lady in the balcony?